0: Do you want to reach the people that you love most with the good news of God's grace? Join author and international evangelist Sammy Tippett as he interviews Christian leaders who will ignite your passion to bring others to Christ. I want to welcome all of you to our broadcast on Facebook, our podcast that we have, Ignite Your Passion, Ignite Your Faith, and we just... We just believe God's going to set your heart aflame today. And we're just so appreciative of you coming and listening and watching and viewing this broadcast. Uh, we we have someone very special today that you're going to be blessed by. And I believe that God could use this in many of your lives as you listen. Uh, we, last week you heard me interview Josh and, and he told his story and, uh, he has a cohort and doing good now. And, uh, uh, and, and we're going to interview him and that is Matt Masera Matt, welcome to the broadcast. Appreciate you being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's a privilege and honor to be here with you.
0: Well, listen, I, I, I'm like, I told Josh last week, I, I don't want to tell your story. I want you to tell your story. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm going to let you just kind of take off and give us some of your background, but you did not grow up in a Christian home. In fact, you grew up in a, a, a very difficult situation. Explain that to us. Give us your background.
1: Yeah, so I start with a little backstory. Um, So I was born into a house um, where my dad was a gang leader. Um, He was born in Puerto Rico and uh, got involved in gang life there. And then when they came through New York City um, in the 50s, um, he became a gang leader in the Latin Kings and um, was a multiple murderer. Bank robber, drug trafficker, any and every kind of crime, did time in Sing Sing, Napa Knock, Rikers, Catskills. He did forty years in prison, so the way we always described it was uh doing life on the installment plan. Mm-hmm. Um he did time in Chicago and then ended up coming to Salem, Oregon and having two twin boys in nineteen seventy nine, myself and my brother. And so that was the house that I was born into, which ultimately meant that I was going to be exposed to that world. Um, As a child, I faced every kind of abuse that no child should ever experience, Uh, sexual, physical, uh, mental, emotional. um, It it covered the gamut. So everything, um, and uh, it just created a complete wreckage. Um, Our lives were very tumultuous because of my dad's drug dealing. You know, he was doing major drug deals in the house. While we were there, our lives were on the line every single day. I remember very specifically um, one of my earliest memories. Um, we lived on a street called Vallejo Street, and he was doing a big heroin deal. And uh, the individuals that were there were also a part of another organized crime. And uh, one of those individuals on the way out said, they've seen us. we got to kill him, and pointed his pistol at me and my brother. And I think we were about five years old at that time. And all I remember is my dad taking his pistol, shoving it through that guy's mouth and, uh, him and the other guys drug him out and that guy never came back. So that was daily life. That kind of stuff was happening all the time. Before I was 10 years old, our dad took a man's life right next to me and my brother. And I just remember him taking his life and, uh, watch that man breathe his last breath. And then he kicked him into the river. And after that, he took me and my brother to get candy at the store. And uh, oh, because man. life had no value to him, um, not ours, not anybody's, uh, the value of life was what can this individual do for me or what can I get out of them? And uh, so ultimately watching that life when I was 11 years old started to follow in his footsteps. Uh, and that's the first time that I was arrested, the first time I was stabbed and the first time I stabbed somebody myself, started using drugs at 11 years old, and, uh, and, and that was it. I started to emulate my dad, lived the life he lived. He was in and out of prison my whole childhood, and uh, I put him on a pedestal um, and just desired so much to have a father figure that even the one that I had that was super toxic. Um, I just, I, I put him above all else and praised him. And, uh, ultimately that many, many years, um, ultimately that life led me into 14 stab wounds, two gunshot wounds. And the crazy thing about three of those stab wounds were I did them to myself to prove a point to people what I was capable of and what I was willing to do. If they wanted to come at me, if I'm going to do this to myself, what does that mean for what I'm going to do to that individual? Now, does, life,
0: were you in, was this in, in the relationship to a gang activity or yes, just individually? I was,
1: yeah, I got involved in gang activity very young. Okay. And uh, was jumped into a gang at what, 12 years old and um, started living that life, criminal life. Uh, doing anything and everything that I could to support my addiction before I was even a teenager and uh, had all the skills and abilities to do that because I'd watched my dad, you know, live that life. So I knew what, you know, what you had to do uh, to be successful at being evil ultimately. And uh, cause that's what my life was filled with was malicious intent. Um, evil intentions was my daily focus, um, whatever it looked like for that day. Yeah, as I was saying, I had the 14 stab wounds that I had received, two gunshot wounds, and some of those were done to myself. Um, I'd done way more to more people than it had ever been done to me because, like I was saying, been in over a thousand fights. They were so important to me that I would document what took place during those altercations. And um, so ultimately, when I was 12, 13 years old, I was invited to a church. And uh, by a friend, and it was Salem Heights Church, I showed up and um, they showed me a kindness and love that did not make sense to me. Um, As a kid that came out of a life, what love meant was somebody wants something from you or they are, you know, they want you to go do something from them. And if you're not willing to give it to them, then they're going to take it. And um, ultimately, I pulled a knife out on two of the staff members. One of them is now uh, Pastor Matt McCollin. And a fella named Von Glitchka. Um, we were asked to leave, and uh, one of the guys looked out the back door and said, Yeah, the stairs go down. And I'm like, Bro, you have me confused with somebody else. They come right back up, too. <laughs> and I pulled my knife out, went to go back up, and was going to stab him. And uh, here at the church, you know, Matt came out and he's like, Whoa, whoa, cops are on the way. And uh, so we left, the police showed up shared with them that they should never let us come back because we were just as violent as any grown man. We're going to be dead or in prison by the time we're 18. And the amazing thing that took place after that was they let me come back. We absolutely had to talk about what was appropriate at church and trying to stab staff members was not appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But they cared for me in a way that I didn't, it, it didn't, makes sense to me, but I knew I wanted it, but I was my life was such wreckage uh because of what I was being exposed to that I'm like, what is that I mean what does that even look like? and they kept sharing the gospel with me, and I'm like that's not for me, that's for somebody else like do you know who I am like do you know who my dad is and so I was living in that identity
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, ultimately, when I was fourteen years old uh tried to kill another, uh, youth. And, uh, this was after five years of being in and then out of the uh, system. And, uh, the judge looks at me and she says, you know, here's the thing, Mr. Masera the community is not safe with you in it. So you don't get to be in it anymore. And, um, and I just sat there and I looked at her and I'm just like, you yeah, know, you're right. And, uh, so I was removed from the community for a period of time, got back out my junior year of high school. Um, so and, you were
0: able to continue going to school and, and, and what, when you were incarcerated?
1: Yeah. So I was in, and, uh, um, it was like, a I I, was in, a in program school, very structured school because I went to multiple schools cause I was, I had two expulsions, um, from two high schools here in the area that I live. Um, so yeah. I went to court school. I went to the structured learning center, um, which was, I was part of that pri- pilot program and which ultimately gave birth to a, a really great program now. Um, but they took the most violent students from each high school and I was picked from the school that I went to. And, uh, so I was able to continue in school in a very structured environment. So there was, uh, I, I didn't have many freedoms uh, because of my decision-making and my choices. and um, But when I got out, I was able to go back to normal high school my junior year. And uh, Pastor Matt continued to be directed into my life. The Lord kept intersecting him into my life over all these years, kept showing up. He was by my bedside when I'm going in for surgeries, for gunshot wounds, when I'm getting stitched up for knife wounds. And uh it just kept sitting there and I'm looking back and I'm just taking it all in. And then even when it got to the point uh to where my identical twin brother, you know, uh who gave his life to Jesus Christ in high school, and I watched him change mm-hmm. and he kept going, Matt, this is amazing. And I'm and I just kept saying, That is not for me. That's for somebody else. And uh, he ended up going back into what the Lord rescued him out of. And one month and 10 days before our 24th birthday, he shot himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember uh, getting called because ultimately I felt him die. And before I'd even gotten the call, I was operating a cigar business at that time. And, uh, was up serving one of my accounts up in Beaverton. And all of a sudden I just got horrendously sick. And I was just like, oh my gosh, my brother just died. Hmm. And I'm sitting there and I started throwing up and, uh, the assistant manager that worked for me was there. He's like, how do you even know that? I said, I just felt him die.
0: Hmm. And,
1: um, and then he got a call and he's like, we have to go. I said, I know. And uh, so he took me to the hospital and uh, Matt had gotten a call and had met us there. And I'd been in and out of the hospital with my brother so much because of um, chemical psychosis. And I was in addiction myself, you know, because I started when I was 11 and that led to 27 years in the drug world for me. Um, but I was able to maintain a you know, it will, you could call maintaining at that point
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in my addiction, but my brother was not able to. And uh, so the doctor comes and I'm very familiar with this doctor and he gets down in front of me in the grieving room and he looks at me and he just starts crying. He's like, I can't do it. And he gets up and walks out. Mm-hmm. And then the chaplain comes in and he's like, I have to let you know that your brother's considered brain dead and I lost it. You know, I'm unsaved at that point. And, um, I'm sitting there and, uh, the security, they're looking, they're like, sir, you need to calm down. And I said, are you serious? I just found out that my identical twin brother is, you know, he's, he's gone. And, uh, they're like, we're going to have to restrain you. I was like, if you come over here and put your hands on me, your family's going to be in the same room today. Mm -hmm. And Matt's sitting there and he's looking at me and I was like, I, I got nothing to lose. You know, I had kids. In a family, but in my mind, I was so overwhelmed um, by what had just taken place. And so he steps out and he gets in between me and the security. And um, That wasn't enough for me to stop living the life that I was living. But a year later, very specific circumstances and how I come to know Jesus Christ. Um, there was a man that I'd grown up with uh, that was in kind of the foster system with me for a period of time. And, uh, he comes up to me and he says, my friend wants to abuse your son. He laid out what he wants to do to him. I said, well, you know, I'm going to need to hear that because I'm not going to take your word for it and go do something to this guy. So he calls him up. This guy starts to lay out how he wants to hurt my five-year-old son. And I just told him, I said, you need to cut that call off. And he hangs up and I looked at him. I said, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to torture and kill your friend. And if he finds out that this is going to happen, I'm going to do to you a thousandfold what I'm going to do to him. And so I make arrangements to go over to this guy's house and take his life. Invite a bunch of people over to my house so that I can see if I can get out, go to his house, do this, get back without anybody noticing me being gone. And so I do this dry run. And in Salem, there's a five lanes of traffic on commercial, one of the main drags. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this guy's window and I'm getting excited about taking his life. And on the way home, I crossed the five lanes of traffic. And at this time I used a cane uh, because of an on the job injury. And um, and so I get across the street and in my mind, I go, God, if you're real, this is it. I'm not going to get away with this. And literally, the second after that took place in my mind, somebody started yelling my name from across the five lanes of traffic. And I'm just like, okay, my dry run didn't go well. I didn't look to see who it was. And I got in a huge fight with uh, who was my wife at the time. And then uh, I'm sitting in my room and somebody starts to come in my room and uh, Matt, pastor Matt comes in and he's sitting there and he's talking to me. He's like, you got to surrender to Jesus. I'm like, yeah, we've talked about that. I'm not doing that. And uh, halfway through the conversation, he looks at me and he goes, your leg was working pretty good the other night. Didn't you hear me calling for you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you serious? I said, you have no idea what took place in my mind the moment before you started calling my name. I didn't have any clue it was him. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that moment, the Lord revealed to me there is no such thing as coincidences. And I said yes to the free gift of salvation that day. And, Amen. Yeah. And, um, and then the, how long
0: know, ago was that now? Uh,
1: 16 years.
0: Wow. And,
1: wow. um, and then the work started, right. <laughs> Cause I had no conscience before that moment. You know, I could do things, go home and eat and sleep like a baby. And, um, so I'm sitting there and I'm going through the process of sanctification, you know, that godly sorrow that leads to repentance.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm grieving to the point of just uncontrollably bawling over things that never bothered me before. I'm calling Matt. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. And now uh, he comes over. I'm just sitting there bawling. He's like, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. And uh, so he's walking me through God's word, you know, discipleship, um, which they'd been sharing with me all those years. And even in the midst of my rejection, you know, he he never gave up on me. And um, even when he was told to, you know, that kid is a hopeless, Mm -hmm. he's worthless, he's a lost cause, he's unreachable, he's unlovable. And uh, he never uh, followed any of those directions. And I'm super thankful for God's wisdom in his
0: heart to never
1: give up on me. And um, so he showed up walked through stuff with me. And ultimately I served for about a year and a half and then decided I would go back into the world. The Lord rescued me out of, um, which led to putting a needle. You know, I was very familiar with doing that anyway. So what, what, le- what,
0: what happened that caused you to do that?
1: So there was lots of problems within my marriage. Um, um, the, woman that I was with at the time was committing adultery on a regular basis. And I just wanted to drown out the pain. And um, so I started using um, methamphetamines again. And I'd been drinking throughout that time and, um, and then went headlong back into the drug world. And it led me to a place of complete brokenness. I lost everything. I was on the streets, uh, sleeping in bushes under bus stops and was putting a needle in my arm every couple of hours for, you know, over a decade and that's being saved. So, but the internal battle that was taking place in the midst of that, I would do a big shot of methamphetamine and turn on worship music. How does that, I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, because it was just a war taking place inside. And then uh, Matt kept showing up and uh, kept inviting me. I was there for the first most excellent way group. And then would come and go, you know, just depending on where that, I was at. That
0: group is the the addiction group that uh, at the church here at Salem Heights Church.
1: Yep, right. Christ centered Addictions Victory right. Group, attitudes of victorious living, which come out of right out of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five. Yeah, and it's all about victory and what true freedom and victory looks like, not just drugs and alcohol, but a biblical view, God's view, of what addiction is, okay. and. um One night I went to get some meth and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm going, and I come back and it was rock salt and nobody ripped me off because they didn't want me coming back, you know? And I'm sitting there and I'm looking in the mirror. And in that moment I'm looking at my face in the mirror and the Lord brought back James into my mind, into my heart. You know, the natural man that looks at his face in the mirror, but as soon as he's walked away, he's forgotten what he's seen. And uh, in that moment, the opposite took place. And I'm like, wow, you're a train wreck. And I just was speaking to myself. I said, I don't believe this is what God's intended for you. And uh, I called Matt and I said, it was like midnight. And I said, I don't even know what this looks like, but I'm all in. And I'll be at group on Monday. But I was still so messed up. All in was I'm going to go to group on Monday and then go do some drugs after group. The Lord revealed to me that was not going to be allowed uh, very quickly. And uh, the last time that I used, I did as much as I had been using. And as soon as it hit my heart, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you just killed yourself. You know, and I didn't want to die. And I was like, and I just hit the ground. I begged him, sir, please, I just begged the Lord. I said, "You, I need you to take this from me. I can't do it. Just bawling all by myself, on my knees, talking to him. My savior, and uh, instantly I knew it was gone, and that was the last time that I ever used methamphetamine.
0: And how long was that?
1: So that was uh, four years ago, April 5th of this year, mm-hmm. and since that time, he's sent me to uh, what four continents all over the world um, to share the good news of a risen savior who makes his people whole. And uh, that's what I get to do now. He lets me be a part of his plan. I get to hit the streets and share with those that society has written off and uh, identified them the same way I was identified, unreachable, lost, cause, hopeless, and unlovable. And uh, been able to see through the ministry that the Lord's blessed me with, uh, thousands saved i um, been able to go to the Philippines three times, been in Brazil, been in Peru, Haiti, India, uh, the Navajo Reservation, multiple locations in the States. And uh, God has transformed and is continuing to transform my heart and renew my mind to match that of his son's Jesus yeah. Christ.
0: I want to talk about that a little bit. Before we do, I want to go back to something you said, though, that I think is, is really important and really interesting you had to come to the end of yourself yes where where you couldn't do it at all there was no hope and your only hope was jesus yeah and and that's what faith is in the life of faith and can you tell us yes. a, well, a little more what what that feeling and then, is and what yes. what
1: and that's what I share with people who are unsaved and even believers, you know, uh, because I've lived out the unbeliever and I've lived out the carnal Christian and I've lived out the spirit led believer, which is what God's given me the ability yeah. to do now. Cause he gets all the credit 100%. But when I say don't, I let folks know, don't wait as long as it took me to surrender, submit, and be obedient. And how is that even possible? It's by asking God, give me the ability to stay surrendered, submitted, and obedient. Because outside of Him, I, 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 I am going to be those things, and it's going to be to myself. Yeah. And so either way, I am surrendering or submitting or being obedient. It's just a matter of who that's going to be. And yeah. the results of that, but even the loss of my own brother, my identical twin brother was not enough for me to stop. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was just that moment of, wow, God, it, I'm I'm not able to get out of this. I need you to do it. And I give you 100% of the credit. That's what I tell folks. where I have found complete satisfaction and fulfillment is God getting 100% of the credit of everything good coming out of me. And that's because everything good comes from him. I don't have the ability to create good. And knowing apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. And every single day going, God, today, I need you to give me everything pertaining to life and godliness for every decision, every choice, every response, every reaction down to the very movements of my muscle fibers. I want you to be glorified in and through everything that comes out of me by way of my actions, by way of my words, even by way of, I live my life. If I had no ability to communicate in any way, shape or form, that I would be a reflection of your son, just in how I live.
0: Yeah, And, You you know, I had, I have a friend, matter of fact, he was the very first person ever shared Jesus with me. And, uh, uh, he's a pastor now and, uh, he's been a pastor for many years, but he, years ago, uh, when I was just a young guy, you know, on fire for Jesus and he came through San Antonio where I live and he was going out to the desert to pray and fast for 40 days. And I never heard of anybody doing anything like that. And I said, what do you, why are you doing this? And he said, I, I just really have a need for God to speak to my heart, to give me some direction. I said, well, when you come back through here, stop. And I want to hear what he says, <laughs> you know, if you're going to go out there and do this. So he came back and I said, well, what did God say to you? And he said, one thing. I said, what's that? He said, you know, I used to say all the time, I'd see people do things and I'd say, man, that's terrible. I never do that. Or see someone do something else, I say, Man, oh, that's awful. I'd never do that. And God told me, You can never again say that because in your flesh dwells no good thing. Yep. And you can only say, By the grace of God. Amen. I'll never do that. And it's only by God's grace. I mean, all of us, I mean, if we're left up to ourselves, I mean, we can go south real quick. You yes. know, and so, you know, we've got to, you know, so this daily walk of depending upon God and trusting Jesus every day, you know, just taking a step at a time, walking with him. And, and yeah, we, we're going to all fail, but when we do fail immediately, don't wait a year, you know, when immediately, Lord, I, I blew it. If an attitude comes in my heart, a uh, word I speak an action, I do yeah. immediately confess it right then. So.
1: Right uh, to the throne room of grace.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know that that scripture you quoted. You know, apart from Him, we can do nothing. That's John fifteen five. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get to there, then you can go to Philippians four thirteen that says, "I can do all things through Christ." And that's a that's <laughs> yeah. that's a
1: life verse for me. And yeah. and literally living in light of that, and that word all. The root word of all is all yeah <laughs> all about what the god of all creation can do if i'm relying upon his strength and his power there's nothing that he can't do and that's what when i go to schools or be able to share in different locations i love introducing myself as hi my name's matt i'm weak and i'm needy want to be friends because those are friendship those are traits you want to find in friendship right is a weak yeah. and person. But I know that in my weakness, his strength is perfected. And that in my neediness is because I need him every second, every moment of every day until he returns or calls me home.
0: Yeah. And, so now you, you, you've been able to travel and minister yeah. and uh, yeah. around the world. And actually, you're doing some things right there. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right there in Salem.
1: Yeah. So what I get to do for the Lord all for his glory here in our home city. It's amazing uh how he works all the details out. He's in the finest most minute details, but we get to hit the streets, we get to reach out to our drug affected communities, gang affected communities, our folks who are neighbors on the streets who are battling with homelessness, but ultimately for us, you know, and folks ask like what is our who is our target population? It's so all people because he doesn't wish to see any perish but for all to come to repentance. So we get to work and share with folks that are in the midst of real true suffering need to people that are in local government, to people that are at the top of corporations and everybody in between. Um, But we're seeing God transform hearts in a way only he can. So it's not behavior modification. It's a heart transformation. And uh, even... One of the guys, we've seen hundreds of folks on the streets of our city that were trapped in homelessness, drug addictions. Their families have been restored. They're living for him. They're working. They have homes now. And they are unrecognizable as the individuals that we met on the street You know that hadn't bathed in six months because that was my story. My story was part of the Union Gospel Mission. My story was the bushes, the streets, uh, the homeless camps. And uh, that's what God's allowing us to do for his glory. And he's changing the face of our city from the ground up as he's reaching in and doing what only he can do. And he's given us the opportunity to show up with the only hope for the entire world. And that is to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and be secured eternally through his perfect work on the cross. You know, and- you know
0: I was real impressed when I was up there with you guys a few weeks ago. And of, of just the even the whole church has sort of that atmosphere. It's a it's a sort of middle upper middle class church, but it has people who are uh, you know homeless and everything there, and it's yep. just really what a blessing to see that that was a, that was a great blessing. Uh, and, and to me, that's that's what revival is mm-hmm. is when we begin to have the heart of God for yes. the world. You know,
1: and that's what I tell people. They're like you know because I'll have people depending on where I'm at. They're like. I'm looking for revival and I was like, "But where are you looking?" And they start pointing and I was like, "Wait, wait, wait. It starts right here." Yeah. It starts in my own heart and yep. then goes from there.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: to reach the world and we're literally following the example that our savior set before us, you know, who was he reaching out to during his entire ministry? Not just the outcasts, but the outcasts within their own societies. You know, and I love it. You know, that scripture, he loves taking the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. That describes my entire life.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, as we kind of round this up and close this out, um, what would you want to say? There's a person, say, listening right now Mm -hmm. somewhere, Africa, India, Philippines, South America, uh, but listening to this broadcast at this very minute, Who's struggling? Just can't seem to have victory in their lives. What? What? G- take two minutes and just share with us what you want to tell them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for those folks that are struggling, um, in any way, shape, or form, and they're not able to have victory, I want to encourage them. I want to encourage you to get into God's Word every single day because His Word will never come back void. Live in light of His truths ask Him for the abilities that are outside of yourself. And, you know, when folks, when I think about that, I was just talking to somebody recently, you know, when it talks about run to the throne room of grace. But instead of doing that, I want to encourage you today to stay at His feet so that when the storms hit, the storms of life, whatever they look like, even if you're in the middle of it right now. For we do not have a great high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, was tempted in every way yet without sin. And what does that mean? It means we can come confidently to his throne room, find mercy and grace and help in time of need. So not running to him, but just staying at his feet, living in light of his truth and in light of his word. And share that within your area of influence, the only message of hope for the entire world. But ask Him, God, I just need you right now. One of my favorite prayers when I was first coming out of the junk, coming out of the drug world, was God help me. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows exactly what I mean by that, and He knows down to my very groanings. Um, what's needed in that moment because god does have a plan for your life and it's that he be glorified in and through everything that takes place in your life and how is that possible it is possible by way of his son and the indwelling of the holy spirit by your faith in jesus christ as your personal lord and savior and share that truth we're all called to go you know, it's just a matter of what that looks like for each one of us. But that God will do it. Remember He's the God of all creation who is outside of time and space, not limited to this world or any of its systems. And that we would see him, you would see him for who he is, and that we would see ourselves rightly before him. And I would encourage him to stay weak and needy. Because in that weakness his strength is going to be perfected. And in that neediness is because we are needy people. Mm-hmm. I need him every moment. So I would encourage them to stay weak and needy and stay at his feet, stay in his throne room, uh, knowing that they will absolutely find mercy and grace and help him.
0: Time yeah. really. One of the greatest prayers that you'll ever pray. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Hey, you, you just, take what's in your heart and you pour it out to God. Mm-hmm. But the greatest prayer that I've ever heard prayed and that I've prayed is help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I need, you know, a lot of people say, I don't want to pray because, you know, I, I don't know the words. say, Hey, you just help. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You know, you, you just go before him, and say, I need you. I need you. And, uh, you know, those four words, God, I need you. Uh, I, I shared this at a church one time and a lady told me later, she said that she painted on the ceiling of her, uh, of, of her bedroom, those words, God, I need you. So that when she woke up, <laughs> that was Start the, the day first, right. first yeah. thing that she <laughs> saw, but, but it really is true. You know, we, we just need to say, God, we need you, you know, and I don't care who you are. I don't care. Listen, the mighty have fallen, Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I've seen. Guys who've been walking with Jesus, but if you if you think you can do it, you're you're headed for destruction. He who exalts himself will be will be abased, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So humble yourself, go before him. We all really are. Everyone, I am, you are, we all are. So whoever's listening to this, you're needy. You're needy, amen. And and just call on him. And so I, I want us to close by prayer, and I'm going to just pray for every person. That, that's listening to this broadcast, watching this broadcast and ask God just to do a work in our lives. Father, yes. I just want to thank you for Matt. I want to thank you for what you've done in his heart. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, mm. I, I thank you that you are so faithful. And Lord, uh, great is your faithfulness. Mm. And Lord, I, I just want to pray for every person listening right now to uh, this story and what Matt's doing what, what you've done in Matt, mm-hmm. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would touch them. I pray that this day, this moment would be the beginning of a new day, a new moment in their lives in which they mm-hmm. find victory in Jesus. And I thank you that you're going to do that, Lord. We, we ask you right now to, to move and work. And right now, if, if you've been listening to this and God's touched your heart, why don't you just say to him, Lord, I need you. Amen. I need you today. Just just call on him. Tell him that. And, and say, Father, fill me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, take control. I surrender all to you. And you just surrender all to him right now. Whatever that means to you, you mm-hmm. just surrender everything to him. And thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. In your name I pray. Amen. we'd love to hear from you. If you prayed that prayer, uh, we'd love, we'd love to hear from you. And just maybe in the comment section, say I prayed, or if you want to send to info at Sammy and, and let's just stay in touch and let us help you to encourage you to grow in Christ. And Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and what God has done. And man, we'll be praying for you. And, uh, and we thank God, for your life and for what he's done and what he's going to continue to do. And we expect to hear great things.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I'm praying for you as well.
0: Okay. Thank you. God bless you. And everyone next week, we'll be again, sharing more. And so God bless you all. And we look forward to sharing more with you in Jesus name. Bye-bye. We hope you've been encouraged. If you'd like to hear more, visit sammytippett.org you'll hear podcasts, watch daily devotionals, and obtain books by Sammy that will ignite your faith, your love of family, and a passion to reach others.